Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. So last week we started um, 21 days of prayer that is found in this Onward booklet. If you don't have this, um, you can get it on your way out. It tells you everything about our campaign. And then, of course, it leads you into a three-week study about... um, about prayer, about giving, about just seeking the Lord and and how to give in this way. And so we really encourage you to do that. Um, And then today we are going to continue to um, study different parts of our prayer. Uh, Our prayer again was written um, by our church for church. It's what we say together every Sunday at the end of the service. And this week we're going to look into uh, what we mean when we say declare your worth. We always say we want to declare your worth, find our worth in you, and join you in the renewal of all things. And so we're going to take a deep dive into what it means to declare his worth. So let's pray and we'll get started. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are here with us. God, I thank you that when we gather in this place, like we are literally on holy ground, that you've invited us into your presence, into your throne room to worship you and to be with you and to commune with you. And God, we just bow before you. God, you are Lord. You are King. We thank you for this time. We ask that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would move in our hearts and our lives, that we'd hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we are a people. This church exists. We exist as people. This church exists in order to declare God's worth. That is like why we're here. That is what we're doing. That is what we were made for. We are to declare God's worth. And so every time I say that prayer, I immediately think of a two-tiered meaning in my head. And I had to ask Aaron, like, do you think about this in two ways? Because I think about this in two ways. And it's funny, we never really talked about it before. And he was like, oh, yeah. So every time we say declare God's worth, I think about it as if I want to first declare God's worth. I want to sing his praises. I want to declare his worth to him. I want to tell him that he is worth all and he is worthy of all and all these things. That's declaring God's worth. The second part is I want to declare God's worth to the world. I want to declare his worth to everyone. Okay, so one of my favorite things about youth group is my megaphone. You're wondering what this was? So I'm the youth pastor here, and I love this megaphone. Now, funny story about the megaphone, I have to tell you. When I first came to church today, I could not find the megaphone, probably because students are hiding it from me. But I couldn't find the megaphone, and I had my kids look for it. My son found it. It was awesome. But Anders, David's son, he was like, Sharon, he was like, I think Aaron has like like a microphone you could use. I was like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. I'm not going to preach with megaphone. Okay. Um, however, uh, on, on Wednesday nights, this thing comes in handy. It comes in handy. I used to think that my voice carried a lot. Uh, but now, guys, we have like 70, 80 kids coming to youth group every week. It is incredible. You should, you should see it. Actually... We might take some footage and show it to you. Uh, It's mass chaos, and it's my favorite thing. 
And so you get 70 kids running around this, this church uh, or outside or a youth camp, and all of a sudden, my voice does not carry the room. And so this thing is my best friend. And if I have to make an announcement or give instructions or make some kind of declaration, I use this thing. All right. So I think often when we talk about declaring God's worth, we think about making these big, loud declarations, you know, like as if the louder it is, like the more we must mean it, you know, like we have to use this thing and to, to, to do it, to make the declaration. For example, here we go. I feel like, okay, God, I want to declare your worth, so I must be loud and proud and I got to do it. And then I sh should probably stand on a street corner somewhere and tell everyone I know, I don't know. You know, like that's what, that's what we think. We got to use something like this. But here's the deal. I don't think that's what God had in mind when he says, declare my worth. I don't think he teaches us that we need to make this big, loud, crazy announcement. He teaches us that it's, it's not about being loud. It's not about being out there. It's simply about living a life that is surrendered to him. It is living a life of worship. So, so uh, 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You guys, just a central part of our calling as Christians is to declare God's praises. It's to, to declare his worth. That is who we are. That is what we are called to do. And every time we say our prayer together, we are saying, we're reminding ourselves, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And God is saying, yes, this is who you are. You are a people belonging to God who declares his praises. And again, thank goodness, we don't need megaphones to do it. Declaring God's worth is not about spiritual shout outs. It's about living a life of worship. It's living a life of surrender. It's about walking with Jesus loving your neighbor and living your life where like all that we are and all that we have and all that we do gives glory to God. One of my favorite images of scripture is in Revelation 4, 9, and 11. We see this beautiful scene of these 24 elders. They're in the throne room of God and they're bowed before him and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. When I think about that, I think that is what I should be doing like with my life when I'm in the throne room or when I'm out in the world. I should be constantly laying my crown down and constantly be remembered that this is about him and his kingdom. And I want to do everything I can to give him the glory and him the praise. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Because it is so important that we have this perspective that as Christians, this is our worldview, that we know that the whole world and everything in it and everyone in it was created by God and for God. 
that we were all created to give glory to God, to sing his praises. Like it talks about even the trees clap their hands. Like we have all been made to give glory to God. And that is why when we gather here on Sundays each and every week and we sing his praises, the reason we love that so much is because when we're doing that, when we're in his throne room, when we're declaring his worth, when we worship him, we are doing the very thing that we were created to do. That's why we love it so much. Now, here's why we need it so much. The reason we need to gather week after week, the, the reason why it's so important, why it's so formative, is because every single week we need to be reminded that he is God. Every week we need to be reminded that he is God and that I am not that, that everything was created by him and for him, that, that he belongs on the throne and that I belong on my knees, that I exist to serve him. He does not exist to serve me. Now, I know that sounds like so obvious, right? It sounds so obvious. We know it's true. It's obvious, but somehow, some way, we all have this tendency to get this backwards. Like, often, we have this idea that God is like somehow our heavenly genie. All right, so my favorite Disney movie of all time, Aladdin. I love this movie, all the forms of it. Love, love Aladdin, love the story, okay? And so everyone knows the story of Aladdin, but like he finds this magic lamp and he learns that all he has to do is like rub this magic lamp, this golden lamp. He just has to rub it and then poof, out comes the genie. And then the genie's whole job is to grant Aladdin whatever he wishes for. And it's like, it's so weird because when you watch the movie, it just feels backwards. It's clear that the genie has all the power, right? I mean, he's doing all the dancing and the showing off and he's crazy and he's singing and we love him. He's hilarious. But like somehow he like works for Aladdin. Like somehow he calls Aladdin his master. Somehow he exists to grant Aladdin his wishes. It's so weird. The thing is, guys, I think a lot of times we see God this way. We see him as being our heavenly genie. Like all we need to do is to rub our magic hands together in prayer, expect God to show up like poof whenever we need something and then just ask him for whatever we want. Like somehow he works for us. Like somehow he exists to serve us, to grant us our every wish. And then we just like expect it to happen. And then we're very upset if it doesn't happen the way we've asked it. It's crazy. God is not our genie. He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And I, it's like, doesn't matter how much I know this, every once in a while I'll just fall into that like kind of thinking. And so I have to check myself a, a lot when it comes to this. And how I do it, I just ask myself a couple really easy questions. I say, Sharon, like, when is the last time I talked to God without asking him for anything? Or when is the last time that I talked to God that instead of asking for help, I actually offered help? Now, don't get me wrong. It's totally good to ask God for things. Like we're supposed to. He says ask and we'll receive and all these things. It's amazing. It's a really good part of our prayer life. But if that's the only part of our prayer life, we might be getting things a little backwards. Now, we even do this when it comes to worship. It's so weird, but we all do it. I feel like we've all either said it or thought it or heard someone say it, but you leave a Sunday morning and what do you say? You say something like, man, I, I just didn't get that much out of worship today. It was kind of a bummer. I just didn't get anything out of it. 
And the statement is so common, but it's literally a backwards statement. It's upside down. It literally flips what worship even means. It flips it on its head. We gather together week after week to give God worship. Worship is about giving to God. It's about singing his praises. It's about giving him all that he deserves. It's, it's about giving. Worship is about giving. Now, the reason that we do get things out of worship is because when we do worship God, we have that incredible feeling that we only get every once in a while in this world or maybe every Sunday when I just know, man, I am in the right place at the right time doing the exact thing I was created to do. And that is like an awesome feeling. That is an unparalleled feeling that I've gotten throughout my life. But honestly, I've gotten that more than ever when I'm in the throne room of the Lord worshiping him. So yeah, we get that joy, that joy that is unparalleled, but that's just a result. That's not the means. Does that make sense? And so when we come to church, we're like, oh man, I just didn't like really feel anything. I didn't feel that joy or whatever. Listen, it is not because God wasn't as worthy this week. And it's not because the band wasn't as good this week. It's probably because we came in the wrong posture this week. It's probably because we came to receive rather than to give. Worship is about giving. It's about giving God all of the praise and the honor and the glory that he deserves. It's about giving God all that we are and all that we have and not holding anything back to the God who deserves literally everything, to the God who deserves it all. This is why when God taught his people about worship, he said that we should not come empty-handed. That we should always come before him ready to give. Ready to give him not only our praise, but also give him our offerings as well. Now, hear me out. Deuteronomy 16, 16 to 17. It says, three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. At the festivals, Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Festival of Weeks, and the Festival of Tabernacles, no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord has blessed you. I just think that's so interesting. I feel like I've read the Bible a lot in my day. I've, I feel like I've never read that before. Like, don't come to the, before the Lord empty-handed. That is really interesting. Give in a way that is, that in a way that he has blessed you. That is, that I've heard. And so this concept of like, make sure you're, when you come before the Lord, make sure you're ready to give. Give your offerings, give your praise, make sure you're ready to give. First Chronicles 16 verse 28 says this perfectly. He says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name, bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Do you guys see how over and over again there's this pattern? Come before the Lord, give him praise, also give him offering. There's so many more scriptures like this, like all throughout the Old Testament, but it's not just an Old Testament thing either. Lots of New Testament verses. 1 Corinthians 16, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, this has taken a turn. Like, how did we go from talking about worship to talking about offering? Is this just because we're in a building campaign? No, 
I promise I'm not doing any kind of bait and switch. The more I researched how we are to come before the Lord and worship and describe his worth, the more I researched, the more I realized what an essential part it is that we are to come to the Lord with both our praise and our offering. Everything I've read, it says like these two things go hand in hand. Worship has always been about coming before the Lord with both praise and offering. We talk about it. Melissa said it on the announcement video. We believe offering is part of your worship. But it's just like we say it so much, but we don't probably preach it enough. So we know these things go hand in hand. And so I think the the important question is why, right? I want to know why. I'm the person who like, if you take a lot of personality tests out there, um, I have this personality. I can't remember what test it was or whatever. But they said, I really like to follow rules, but only if they make sense to me. All right. This explains so much. Um, my kids, uh, well, especially my daughter, she is definitely a, ru- a rule follower, and they don't have to make sense. So when I'm breaking all these rules, she's always like, Mom, can we do that? I'm like, it just, it's okay. This one doesn't make sense. There's literally no cars coming. You know, like, just go. Um, you know, there's things like that. <sighs> she, she's, like, she's like praying for me. Listen, I want to make sure it makes sense, okay? And so God, he's not giving us these rules, but God is absolutely giving us instruction. His word is giving us instruction. And so we need to know why, right? They don't really need to make sense to us, but it helps me if it makes sense. So why must we come before the Lord with both praise and with offering? So we're going to look at three reasons. I, I, I think why, why it's really important. Number one, because giving gifts is a way to show honor. It is a way to show honor to God. It is a way to declare his worth. So here's the thing, all throughout history, both biblical and secular history, like since the beginning of time to right up now and in the present age, people have practiced what has been called the royal protocol, where it is customary to greet a person of royalty by lavishing them with gifts. Recently, there was like a whole documentary made about this, about how to this day, when you come in the presence of a king or a queen or any kind of royalty or person of high regard or the heads of state, people still today first come to them and greet them by giving them lavish gifts. And they do that because it shows how much you esteem them. It shows how much you regard them, how their position is higher than your position. It's like this symbolic gesture of like respect, honor, praise, esteem. It's the royal protocol. It has always been like this. Guys, this is what happened when the wise men found Jesus. In Matthew 2, we won't read the whole thing. In verse 2, you guys know the story. The wise men were looking for Jesus, and they come before Herod. They're saying, where is this newborn king of the Jews? And so they go, and they're following the star, and they find the star over Jesus. In verse 11, they find him, and they enter the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary. And what did they do? They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because when these wise men found Jesus, they did what was natural. They did what what, what they were created to do. They immediately worshiped him. They immediately bowed before him. They immediately gave him lavish gifts. Not because it was like this huge party and they didn't want to come to the party and empty-handed, but because it was 
their God because they were declaring his worth because they were declaring him to be king and you don't come before the king empty-handed. That's what you do when you come in the presence of a king. You bow, you worship, you present gifts. Another reason we come before the Lord with praise and with offering is because we are to put God first in everything. God has always taught us that he is the Lord our God, that we are not to have any other idols before him, that nothing comes before him. And when he said that, he didn't mean just for us to give like a mental assent to that or like that's only true like in spiritual things. Like he literally means like in all things, like actually real physical things, like everything, he should come first. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, all your physical crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Guys, God has always taught us that he, if he is our God, that we need to put him first, which is why he taught us that when we come to him, we should give him our first fruits. It's indicating that he comes first in our lives and that everything else comes next. And that matters to him. It should matter because he is God. Now, to be honest, um, I think this, I think it makes a lot of sense because like this is how, I mean, if I were God, this is how I would put it. Um, But I think the reason that giving is such a vital part of our worship is because God knows something that you and I already know. It's the fact that he knows that talk is cheap and that actions speak louder than words. It's easy to say that you love someone, but showing it is a whole different thing. You know, it's easy to say that God comes first in your life, but showing it is a whole different thing. We can't just say that God comes first. We have to live like it. We can't just say that God is worth it all. It's all from him and for him. We have to give like it. Now, deep breaths, everyone, because we don't talk about money a lot. And I am talking about money. And here's the thing. Um, someone last service was like, man, you're giving Sharon the hard one. So I, I like, it's okay. I picked this. All right. I picked it. Has anyone listened to our podcast? Like on Thursday, we put out a podcast every Thursday. Um, Aaron and I did a whole communication skill thing. Okay. And it turns out he's a fluid communicator. Communicator likes to beat around the bush a little bit. And, and I am a rigid communicator. Um, and so like, this is just my personality. Like I'm just, we're just going to read it and we're going to talk about it and that's it. So don't worry. Aaron's coming back next week. <laughs> okay. But here's the deal. Like even I'm like a little nervous. And the reason why I'm a little nervous to talk about money, it's not because um, Jesus didn't talk about it. He literally talked about money more than like anything. It's because I so don't want you to have any kind of guilt or shame. Like the gospel says that there is no shame on those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, this is not about guilt. This is not about shame. But when we go to the scripture and we read the scripture, we should probably feel some conviction. We should feel some correction. Like we are a work in progress. Does that make sense? So just know there's love for you. There's grace for you. We're a work in progress. But God uses his word to transform our lives. It's because he loves us. So Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, what God is saying, he says, if you want to know what is most important in your lives, it's simple. X marks the spot. If you want to know like what really comes first, he's, all you have to do is follow the money. Wherever the money goes, 
You know, wherever the money is spent, wherever your treasure is, that's a huge indicator of where our hearts really are. That's a huge indicator of what really matters, of what really comes first. That's hard to read, right? Now, God loves us way too much not to teach us over and over again that he is God and that we should not put anything before him. And he also loves us way too much not to warn us that often our idol of choice Often the idol that tends to like sneak up on the throne of our lives, it's often money. And that's why he talks about it so much. Not because he needs all of our money. He's like, this is a, this is a form of idolatry. This is often the problem. So be careful, be careful. Examine your heart. Now, in no way have I mastered this in my life. In no way at all. To be honest, it is very difficult for me to keep money off the throne of my life whether I love it or whether I'm just putting my hope in it or whether I'm just worried about it, it has a way of taking center stage. And for me, giving our offerings to God each and every week on a regular basis has really helped dethrone the idol of money. It has really helped me like make sure that I'm putting God first and like make sure that I'm putting my hope and trust in God and not my savings account. It's been like this good measuring stick for me. And here's the deal. I'm a type A person and I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And so the Bible teaches about tithing that I'm going to tithe. And I think this is great. I, it's like checking a box. Done. God's first in my life. You can ask Sharon, do you put God first in your life? Of course I put God first in my life. I tithe. But guess what? It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Jesus teaches us that our giving should never be about checking a box. And then I'm like, oh, I hear you, Lord. Change me. Work in my heart. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so, first of all, Jesus said that we should tithe. Can we just acknowledge that? We don't talk about it a lot here. Sometimes I think we're just hoping that like other churches teach people and then like you just should come here and then you just know, okay? But like we're the pastors and we need to teach you. Jesus said that we should tithe. A lot of people think that Jesus never said this, that he never affirmed it, that it's just an Old Testament thing. It's not true. Jesus himself said you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Another translation says, you should do the latter, like this, this issues of justice and all this kind of stuff, without neglecting the former. He's clearly telling us we should do both. He's saying, you give a tithe. That's great. You should. But there's still more work to be done. There's still more work to be done. We still need to give to the poor. We still need to support missions. We still need to help our neighbors in need. Yes, we still even give, need to give to buildings when they're essential for kingdom work. It turns out that tithing is just a minimum. And rather than us just checking a box, we're actually supposed to like walk with Jesus and love our neighbor and keep our eyes open to what God is doing in the world all around us and then join him by responding to those needs. I can't just check a box and be done with it. God's like, no, 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 no. We're walking together. I'm opening your eyes. I'm showing you the needs. We need to live as um, not as if we're checking a box. Giving is about a continual form of worship, a, a way that we continue to walk with him, a way that we continue to stay open to him, where it's like all that you've given me, all that I have is for your glory, Lord. 
Now, this can be a really hard thing to wrap your mind around, especially if you've never done this before, if you've never given in this way before. I was just talking to someone in the church just this week um, about their, they were telling me, like, they didn't even know I was talking about this. And they were like, oh gosh, I remember, like, we used to go to church and they'd pass a plate and we'd throw in 10 or $20 and we just thought we were just so generous and we were just doing everything the Lord wanted us to do and all this stuff. And then, then one day, the pastor talked about tithing. And their eyes just like connected with one another and they were huge and they were like doing math in their mind. And they're like, that is a lot of money. Like they just couldn't wrap their mind around it. And then the pastor said, listen, if any of you, if any of you will take the leap and you will tithe, and then at the end of the month, you can't pay your bills, we will help you. And so they took the leap. They're like, let's do it. We're just going to do it. And they never had to go get help and they never had to go out. They were never like left for wanting anything or needing anything. And listen, you cannot talk to this couple without them talking about how blessed God has, how much they are blessed, how blessed they feel. It's a powerful testimony. I hope that some of you, this is your testimony today. You're like, okay, I'm going to take the leap. Let's just do it. Now, I know other people who have gotten so overwhelmed by this idea of tithing and giving and consistency and faithfulness and all the stuff that instead of giving some, they've just, they just were checked out altogether. They just gave none, right? Now, I get this. I, I kind of have this personality a little bit. I'm like this when um, it comes to reading. I have so many books that I want to read. I have stacks of books in my room. I have lists of books on my phone. I have so many books. And sometimes I get so overwhelmed. For years, I did not read a single book. I just, it was like, I was so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. And I just wouldn't read anything. Well, then the pendulum would swing all the way on the other side. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting after it. I'm going to read a book a week. This is what I'm going to do. And I, of course, I didn't follow through on that either. Listen, when it comes to giving, it is, doesn't have to be this like all or nothing approach. But we do have to know the word of God. And we do have to let the word of God speak to us and inform our lives and shape our hearts. And then we do need to rearrange our lives and ourselves to give in this way. I know people in this church who have like, yeah, that's, I don't know if I can get there, but I'm on my way. God is glorified by that. Remember, remember, this is not about checking a box. This is about learning how to put God first. That's ultimately what he's teaching us. I want you to put me first in all things. It's easy to say it. It's not as easy to do it. All right, lastly, why should we come before the Lord with both praise and offering? I think it's because uh, giving is not only how we declare God's worth to him. You know, we give him gifts. We're, but it's a huge part of how we declare God's worth to the rest of the world. It's a huge part of how we declare his worth to everyone. First Chronicles 16, 24 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. That's like a big job, you know, like we have a big job to do. And you might be thinking like, how in the world can I do that? Like I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. I don't have time to go to the nations. I barely have time to go to the store, right? A huge part of declaring God's worth comes from us learning how to put God first in our lives, then following his word and his example and learning how to put others before ourselves and then we naturally tend to, to give our lives, to give our, our, ourselves away to help others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition 
or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Hebrews 3:13-16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Guys, declaring God's worth to others. It just requires us to put God first and to put others before ourselves. It requires us to think outside of ourselves, our homes, our kids. So like whenever I think about our finances, like I really do think about it this way. I think, man, if we were to spend all of our money on ourselves, all of it, like on our entertainment, on our vacations, on our wishes, on our wants, how is that going to build God's kingdom? How is that going to serve God? How is that going to spread the gospel? How is that going to help anyone else in this world? There's just no way that God gives us all that we have so that we can spend it all on ourselves. There's just no way. God entrusts us with our wealth. He entrusts us with whatever we have so that we can use it for his glory. He makes it so clear that we are blessed to be a blessing. And so that's a huge part of declaring his worth. A huge part of declaring his work, his worth is honestly funding his work. (laughs) A huge part of declaring his worth is funding his work. This makes sense to me, almost like God knew what he was doing. He knew kingdom ministry would like take money. And so he's calling his people to give in a way that will fuel and growth, um, fuel the growth of his kingdom. And here's what's so cool. When we When we join him in this, like when we give like that, when we join him, we say we want to join him in the renewal of all things. When we do that, when we give our offering, just like we come every Sunday and give him our praise, we find ourselves experiencing that very same joy. That joy that comes with knowing, man, I am am in the right place at the right time doing the very thing that God has created me to do. There is like a deep satisfaction in that, knowing that you are joining God in what he is doing in this world. You're not living your own little life. You're not living apart from him. You are a part of what he is doing in this world. There is joy in that. I read this article, um, and it, they, have, um, they were questioning all these people, like, why do you give so much to the church and to missions and to people who need and all this stuff? And here's just some of the things that they said. You don't know these people, but I just think it's interesting um, to hear their perspective. <clears throat> Someone said, my joy in giving comes from serving God in a way I know he's called me to, and in realizing that what I give is impacting people for Christ. Someone said, it's exciting to know that we are a part of evangelizing, discipling, helping, and feeding the needy all through our giving. It just feels wonderful and fulfilling. Someone said, to be able to share our resources in such a way that they produce eternal dividends for the kingdom is pure joy. The joy of giving comes from participating with God in the building of his kingdom, knowing that it will last forever. And the last one is, someone said, when we give, we feel like we're actually a part of the kingdom work that God is doing in this world. Guys, when we give, we are a part of what he is doing in this world. And so it is a part of how we declare God's worth to the rest of the world. Guys, I know I know this is hard, but I have just learned firsthand, like over these 18 years, I didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know how this worked. Um, but over this past 18 years, I have seen how the faithfulness of God's people absolutely fuels and funds kingdom ministry. It's like you can do a lot with a little, 
But the, the amount that you can do when people are faithful and people give, like it is astronomical. It is immeasurable, the fruit that comes from that. I mean, it is crazy. Like just recently, we were able to make a full-time hire just because a few people gave 10%. That's incredible to me that we have a full-time pastor discipling people, walking with people, spreading the gospel. That's incredible. Some, a lot of you guys know that we have a full-time missionary. This is really unique, okay? People ask us all the time. Now, what does he do? Josh Armstrong is a full-time missionary here at our church. You never see him. Why? Because we literally pay him to go save the world. I think that's what his job description says. People are always like, where's Josh? We're like, we don't know. He preaches sometimes when he's in town. That's not, we are literally fueling and funding kingdom work. And because of that, he spends all his time making church planting happen, evangelism happening, and like overseas. And because of that, people are coming to Christ. Whole people groups who have never even heard the gospel are coming to Christ. And it's all happening because people in our church are making a way for it to happen. That's incredible. That's incredible. I could go on and on and on about how I see you guys respond to the um, needs in the box, respond to must-have gifts, respond to giving faithfully. It is incredible. Obviously, we're asking you to respond to this building campaign. It is a way we declare his worth to the world. Now, I'm going to close with um, this passage, 2 Corinthians 9. Um, it is an incredible passage that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. And I feel like this is just like what a letter he wrote to all of us, um, every church out there. He says this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, I love that. He's like, remember, this all comes from God. He who supplies you with the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's peace people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. Guys, he just makes it so clear that when we give to him, when we give to the Lord, when we give to the Lord's work, he will use it. And he will multiply it. And then guess what? He will give you more so that you can give more. There, there are so many people like, yeah, that is the story of my life. I just give and the God keeps giving me more. And then I just give it out. And then he just gives me more. It is like the sowing and reaping principle of the Bible that we learn over and over again. And then he says, when we give, the results will be other people praising God. That's the result. When we give faithfully, the results is that other people will know God, other people will be praising God. We'll be declaring God's worth to other people. 
And so I hope today that we can all take a deep breath. I know it's hard talking about money. It, it always hits a little close to home. I know all of that. But what I hope you see is that we are a people that exist to declare his worth, that we were made by him and for him. And that all throughout scripture, that we have always been taught to come before the Lord with both our praise and our offering. They just go hand in hand. And so I just want to encourage you to reflect on this. Pray about it. Read about it. Talk about it. Start this 21 days of prayer. That will really help. It's a great place to start. And so again, my hope for you is that you will just see worship in a whole new way, that you will see giving in a whole new way, that you will feel like I am really joining God when I, when I worship in this way. I'm joining God in what he's doing. And I just hope that you see that the, re- the result of that is just like pure joy for you. And it's like kingdom blessings for everyone else.